Salofakoi, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suiswiki. E hari ake nei. I am not an Dawn Raid's era survivor wants pathways to residence for all migrants. Also, it's in our DNA. We have we have to do this. We have to keep this alive. An arts centre in West Auckland is home away from home for various bus figure communities. And later this weekend will be the final nail in the coffin for Australia's Rugby World Cup campaign. Our sports reporter Elisa has more. The daughter of a Samoan migrant who settled in Aotearoa, New Zealand and witnessed the traumatic impacts brought on by the dawn raids during the 1970s wants the government to take heed of her mother's last fight for justice. 84-year-old Taupau Maklikau Edwards, who this year has been diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer, wants pathways to residence for all migrants. Lydia Lewis spoke with her daughter, Fiu Mesepa Edwards. In 2021, when the apology, dawn raid apology happened, there was funding that was set aside for the Pacifica community to use to help find ways to heal our communities because of the dawn raids. So I was actually approached by a very dear friend who had applied for some funding through the Ministry of Pacific People to facilitate a local workshop in our area because he was approached by two Pākehā kids who asked him about what is the Polynesian Panthers and what was the Dawn Raids. But then he also said to me, can you find some people who would be prepared to share their testimony about their experiences of the Dawn Raid? And um, so I said, sure, there's a number of people I could ring up now. No, I didn't even think about my mum. I wasn't even thinking about her. But every person I asked, they all declined. And they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to bring up the past. They didn't want to share that story because it was too traumatic. So I was going, oh, my gosh, who am I going to ask? Who am I going to ask? And I actually went and asked my mum, does she know anyone? who has had an experience of the dawn raids who'd be willing to share their testimony. And it was from that moment that my mum opened up and told me her experience. And that was the first time I had heard my mum's story. And I was, I just broke down because it was just like I had no idea. My siblings, none of us had any idea that my mum Um, had experienced um, what she went through during that time of the dawn raids. And so um, I then had to ask my mum, would you be willing and prepared to share your story um, in a public forum? And um, she was very hesitant. And then in the end, she agreed. This is a snippet of 84-year-old Taupau Makalita Edwards' story. When we see you on TV, here on the radio, Maldun was announced. All the Pacific Island people will return back to Samoa, or return back to the Pacific. And all Maori are returned back up north. Mm. And I, one of them, are in that situation. I'm Samoa, my husband is Maori. Now, a very hard decision to make and a fear, living in fear of if now or turn me back to Samoa, 
and my husband returned up room. What happened to the four kids? Are we going to split, split my husband and separate my kids? So what's happened? So can you imagine that fear you're living with at the time? So scary, so scary. Was it a good uh, prime minister or not a good prime minister? Mm. What's, what, was, what was he trying to do with the people? And yet they wanted the Pacific Island to come here to work because there were not many people work for New Zealand. So we can. I am not an overseer. Mm. I fixed my papers properly and I can. And what happened? I thought I was going to be happy. But it was. Living in the outskirts of Auckland Central, she managed to avoid deportation, even though she had her papers. Rejected by her community for marrying the man who she loved, who was Māori, she was living in silence, in absolute terror. There was not a dry eye in the audience. We thought we need to do one for our own community now. Mum's the only one of this age group who's actually had the courage to come forward. Courage. A word that Tao Pa'u wants the young people of today to cling on to. I would love to new generation to speak up. And because there is an injustice in here, the government or whoever is an injustice. And also like the racism. So speak up for your right. There should not be injustice. Everybody's the same. The Bali, the Mount, the Pacific Island, whatever, all the people are the same. So stand on your two feet and be and speak up for your right. I'm 83. Don't let the truth die with you. And as she stares down stage four cancer, she has a question for politicians. What about the pathway to residency? They want to be nice to pay that to, re- to recognize them that to the pathway of residency for our people. They will be there for future generations. Don't let you go down with your story. The, the truth is in you. So tell your story just like I tell Mike. It was painful, but it was healing. That was healing. So tell your story. She told her daughter she wanted to organise a peace march to remember what happened. So at the weekend that has just passed, her vision of a peace march came to life. In the pouring rain in Ponsonby, in Aotearoa, she was pushed in a wheelchair in a silent march that she dreamt up to remember the atrocities of the 70s and call on whoever is in power after the 2023 election to ensure pathways to residents for all migrants. An art centre in West Auckland has become a critical gathering point for thousands of Pacific people living away from home. With a role of 32,000 members from 26 ethnic groups, the centre is very busy, hosting a number of social gatherings, formal events and much more. Tiana Haxton visited the centre and has the story. Yeah. 
Nestled in the heart of Henderson lies the Corbin Estate Pacifica Arts Center. Established in the late 1980s by a group of Pacific Mamas, all of whom were first-generation immigrants to New Zealand, the center provides a home away from home for indigenous communities. The founding was led by Cook Islander Mary Ama, who encouraged fellowship, the exchanging of stories, and maintenance of traditional art practices among the members. Her daughter Jacinda Stoazama follows in her footsteps, directing the center to this day. When we are living away from our ipukaria, when we're living away from our home, it's essential that when we're here in Aotearoa, that we still gather our identity, our language. Even the food that we eat is so very important to who we are as people of the Moana. So uh, that's what our centre um, looks to provide: is a home base for all our communities. It's not only about just um, a place together; it's in our DNA. We have we have to do this. We have to keep this alive. So for me, it's essential for us, especially those living overseas. The space provides an intergenerational exchange of traditional knowledge, with community elders providing workshops on the unique creative arts from the islands of the Moana. Some communities gather just to socialise and reconnect. The biggest indigenous group is Tuvalu, which meets twice a week. Anita Molotoy says it is a way for the people to hold on to their cultural heritage. It's open for anyone to. They are welcome to to join. They usually come here just to be with each other, to socialize over a game of sorry, playing cards, domino, everything, and over a cup of tea as well. And we sing songs together. We make the fatele, the traditional dance. So it really depends. It's a very informal gathering of people, just socializing and reminiscing about the good times in Tuvalu, and also talking about the issues that we face here and how we can. Better um, equip ourselves as elders. We still maintain our culture, and we know that we hold the knowledge to that. Ms. Stoazama feels great pride at the success of the centre. It has been in operation for almost four decades. She sees great value in providing Indigenous communities with the means to meet together and stay connected. A lot of Tuvaluans who migrate to New Zealand、um, find comfort in being around their community, sharing a fellowship. Our centre is located right in the heart of Henderson, so naturally has become a place for the community to gather. It's a fatele, which you can hear、um, in the background, and it's something that、um, we're really honoured and we're really blessed that the community feels safe and have it as a second home. The centre has been recognised for its great value in the community, acknowledged with the Creative New Zealand Pacific Heritage Arts Award in 2012, and the Aotearoa Art Access Corrections Community Award 2015. The final weekend at the Rugby World Cup for two out of three Pacific teams in France. Samoa are up against England on Sunday, and although the quarterfinals are out of reach for Manu Samoa, a win would secure them automatic qualification for the next World Cup in 2027. Early on Monday morning, Tonga will be playing for pride against Romania. The Ikalitahi are hoping to at least come away with a win from the competition. And later on Monday morning, the Fijians will take on Portugal. Simon Rivalui's side only need a single point from this final pool match to progress. They will then put the final nail in the coffin of Australia's worst ever World Cup result, a pool stage exit. RNZ Pacific senior sports reporter Elias Otora has been following the Pacific teams in France, and he spoke with Kuroi Hawkins about this weekend's matches from Lyon. Yombula vinaka, bonzo and maloilei. 
Talofa from uh, Lille's um, Fiji needing to win against Portugal. That is the ultimate for Simon Rewalui and his uh, flying Fijians when they get to Toulouse. Uh, Rewalui uh, and the team have been preparing well. Uh, Rewalui believes that um, it will be uh, a tough game, even though Portugal has not managed to win any game from the three they've played so far. A draw against Georgia was the closest they have uh, been able to, to come to winning. This is what uh, Rewalui said uh, in regards to the Portugal team. Very, very good team. A team that loves to play, uh, loves to play rugby. Uh, I'm not surprised because we've been looking at them for the last, uh, since we knew they were in our pool. Um, they play a really good round of rugby and they've showed that at this, uh, at this World Cup. They've got a very exciting uh, back on back three uh, and their, their forwards are really coming into their round as well. You saw with the Wallabies game, they uh, put pressure on the Wallabies in scrum time. Uh, good lineup, put pressure on the, the defensive lineup as well. So, uh, yeah, we're expecting a really good match. At the same time, uh, they will also uh, have to be uh, at their best. Um, Levani Botia, who uh, has been a key uh, player in the forward pack for, for the Fijians in all their three games uh, and has proven to be one of uh, the best uh, in the position also at the Rugby World Cup, I believe they need to step up to be able to beat Portugal at the weekend. Uh, we didn't expect it's going to be an uh, easy game last uh, next week against Port Semes Georgia because we watched how they played uh, against Georgia last uh, two weeks. They have been tough as well. We still need uh, the game next week is going to drive us for the quarterfinal. So we need to be stay at the same level. We don't have to be stay in our comfort zone. We need to go up, uh, push up a little bit. Turning to uh, Manu Samoa, eyeing automatic qualification for the 2027 Rugby World Cup. They need to finish in the top three in their pool, Pool D. They meet England Sunday morning. How are they shaping up and, and what have they been saying? Yes, Manu Samoa definitely needing a win against England if they are to finish in the top three in Pool D. Uh, to gain automatic qualification for the 2027 Rugby World Cup, teams in each pool must finish in the top three. Manu Samoa need to beat England to be able to outplace Japan and Argentina. Right now, England, Argentina and Japan are the top three teams in that pool. And Manu Samoa needs a win uh, on um, uh, Sunday morning here in Lille's to be able to get uh, automatic uh, um, qualification. They have been preparing well. Uh, their coaches are saying that uh, they know the challenge that uh, is ahead of them. Uh, they are appreciative of what uh, the players have been able to do in the past few matches that they've played. Uh, but uh, for them, it's a do or die this weekend so that they can uh, they can win that automatic qualification. Otherwise, uh, they will have to go through the um, qualification, the zone playoffs uh, in Oceania, in the Pacific, uh, to be able to get in uh, to the next World Cup. Now, Tonga targeting to win against Romania so they can return home with a win. Three tough matches against tier one top teams in Ireland, South Africa and Scotland. How does that affect their game's preparations for Romania? After the game against uh, the Springboks in uh, Marseille, uh, Tonga uh, travelled back to Paris on Monday. Uh, they virtually had... Uh, uh, probably Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, to uh, have a run as the team. And, and they will need to travel to uh, Lille's on uh, on Friday, which means that they will only have Saturday morning to have their captain's run. So 
preparation wise uh, the travel and the and the days to recover in between uh is not uh, something that they uh, are happy about but they still have to uh, go out there uh, on um, on monday morning and try to beat uh, romania to get at least a win uh, to go back home with uh, uh, all the three games that they've uh, had have been tough uh, against tier one nations, but they've been uh, appreciative. Tote Kefu says that he appreciates the the uh, exposure, the experience, the development that uh, Tonga rugby, uh, the rugby team here especially is going through. And they are looking at putting up a performance like they did against the uh, Springboks, against Romania, so that they are able to at least register a win uh, before the end of the Rugby World Cup. Thank you so much for your time. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, to Fasui Fua.